0: Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Welcome this morning. I am Pastor Amy, and I am so glad that those of you who have chosen to be with us in person are here and those of you who are online we welcome you and i think the hallelujah wall will be up there in a few minutes i see them right there but um, i just welcome you i hope you had a wonderful week this was a really big week with students going back to school full-time whether it was virtual or in person, teachers and faculty going back and teaching. A lot of changes, of course, but I pray that you had a great week. And I don't know if you happened to hear my little Zoe Ray Smith sing last week. I thought she's right here, but I thought she did an incredible job. I was so proud. I don't know if you saw my post or not, but I was gushing a little bit as a mom, but then also I had to humble myself because I thought, my gosh, this child, It wasn't just cute. I was like, this was anointed. This was a glimpse into the future that she has. And so I pray that you had a wonderful week. I know that God's hand is on your life. I know he's doing something unique in you and you just need to embrace it and stay available. I love what we just sang. So. Today, I have the opportunity to share with you, and I had a couple of ideas for topic, I mean, not topics, um, titles. I'm terrible at titles, but Jude came up with one. So you can choose whether you wanna go with the cheesy, safe title, and that's Fear Not, or what did you call it? Unstressed. times. Okay, Jude. He's a writer like his dad, probably, so you can choose whichever one. Both are kinda cheesy, but the word of God's not, so amen, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for today, what you're already doing. I feel your presence in this place, and when your presence comes, change comes and that's why we're here God and we just thank you that you will just use this time that there our hearts would be fertile soil and that our lives would grow into more of your image and likeness in Jesus name amen amen so our text scripture today is 2nd Timothy 1 7 it says for God has not given us a spirit of fear can someone say amen Amen. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. So in this verse, it's telling us what he hasn't given us, a spirit of fear. But it's telling us what he has given us, a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and of a sound mind. So we're going to contrast those today and we're going to figure out. So if he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, we need to know a little bit more about what he has given us, correct? That's why we go into the word, that's why we dig deep. But you know, anyone who knows me, I've shared this before, but if you know me or if you've heard me use this uh, in a sermon before, you know that I have three basic irrational fears. They're laughing because I talk about these things kind of often, but number one, I have a fear of sharks. And we're gonna go in descending order. That's the number one fear I have in my whole life. Anybody with me? Anybody? I actually know somebody, they go to our Nona campus. They have a fear of fish. So my shark fear is a bit more rational than their fear of fish. Like they don't even wanna go swimming because they are just absolutely convinced that a fish is gonna like go by them. I'm like, they can't hurt you, but sharks can hurt you. So that's legit. Anyone? Okay. Okay. Second is a fear of alligators. All of these things are problems when you're a Florida girl. Alligators. I do know that there are people who live in other countries. I've met them at like Hillsong family gatherings. They legitimately think, I promise you, probably because of YouTube, but they legitimately think that there are just alligators roaming the streets of Florida. They really do. They think that they are just like around every corner. But I mean, I do know a friend that has a a fence around her house and her son was swimming one day and he heard a splash at the other end of the pool and a gator climbed the fence, got in his pool. Guys, this is not totally irrational to be afraid, right? Okay, so... I'm just, I'm just prefacing that I'm not ridiculous. My third fear is frogs. And I have nothing other than to say they're very, I see people raise, people identify with my pain. Hey, okay, I'm with you. But you know, as I've gotten older and and even in like more recent times, I've developed a couple of other ones that I just, I wanna add to my list. Um, the The fourth is I, fear recipes that require a lot of chopping. (laughs) This started during quarantine because I was forced, as a person who does not like to cook, I was forced to do lots and, oh my gosh, lots of cooking. Anybody? Anybody? I have never cooked so much in my life, and I just felt like I was just done cleaning up breakfast, and it was time to cook lunch, and then do you see what I'm saying? That was what my whole day consisted of. And guys, if I saw a recipe with multiple things that you have to chop, my heart started palpitating and I started getting nervous because you know what it was? I was afraid that I was going to fail my family because dinner was gonna take four hours. It was definitely, I'm not good at it and I don't own a chopper. I don't know why. I don't actually know why. That just solved my fear in two seconds. But the next one that I'd like to add to that list is, I actually am afraid to be... (laughs) This is kind of vulnerable. (laughs) One of only two people who are the first people to show up on a Zoom meeting. Anybody? Anybody, especially if you don't know those individuals. And you just awkwardly turn that screen on, you're like, oh, hi, hi. I'll be right back. And you just turn your camera off. It actually happened to me, true story. I was the first person, I'm not early to anything or even really on time to anything, but I just happened to be on time to this Zoom call and it was just me and a stranger, and it wasn't the host that invited me. It was a, somebody that was just a moderator and they were like, hey, and I was like, hey, and they're like, just so you know, um, your screen name says Mia. I was like, it's gonna take me like 10 minutes to fix that. I'll be right back. And I like turned the camera off and I fixed it and then I waited and I literally was like, how long should I wait? Anybody, you're laughing because you feel my pain. It is, it is fearful it is very fearful. My last one that I would like to add is very very recent. Maybe as recent as me turning 40 2 weeks ago. But I have a fear of my children asking me to demonstrate the latest popular dance moves. <laughs> Cuz there's a camera around somewhere number 1. But there it I don't know what happened. I thought y'all got my dance ability. It wasn't mine, I guess. But I used to dance, and I was a cheerleader. But in my defense, I feel like moves have changed. Are we right? Like, I could do a solid typewriter, running man. But now, they asked me to hit the whoa the other night, and I've actually never seen Zoe laugh so hard. She kept going, please stop. Please can I film you so you can watch yourself? And I was like, and they were like, why are you moving your neck so much? And I was like, because that's what you did in the 90s, (laughs) right? You don't do that anymore, apparently. It's like very stiff movements. So yeah, that's another fear. Anyway, but I make fun of this and light of this, but fear and anxiety is very prevalent. And it's very real. And we've all experienced it on some level or another, to some degree or another. Some people really truly have a diagnosis of it, need medication to help them control it. But also there are just certain things in life that because they're out of our control, the enemy would like to use fear and anxiety as a tactic against us so that we don't move forward in the destiny that God has for us. It's, his, it's the same old trick. It's nothing new. And so today we understand based on this verse that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Fear is not of God. He has given us a spirit of power. He has given us a spirit of love and a sound mind. And so what does the spirit of power look like? That's number one. See, we could easily look at God telling us over 350 times in the Bible, fear not, as simply a command for us. Something that he's just talking at us and telling us what to do. But what good parent would go into their child's room at night who just had a nightmare or something scared them and you just open the door and go, fear not, and then shut the door and go back to bed. Of course not. A loving parent would go into their parents' room and say, hey baby, you don't have to be afraid. I'm right here. Over and over again in the Bible, we see God saying, fear not, I am with you. You don't have to be afraid, I'm with you. He knew this would be a struggle in our lives. He knew that we would all be faced with fears and anxiety and worry and things that would trouble us. But over and over, he let us know, fear not, I am with you. So the spirit of power is what God wants to be in operation in our life. And I think of one of the most epic stories in the Bible is when Elijah is at Mount Carmel. Elijah is faced with opposition all around. He's a prophet of God. He is a mighty man of God. He is used in miraculous ways. And he has this great showdown. Are you familiar with the story? of when he is trying to prove to the nation of Israel that they are actually serving a false God, that they are worshiping something of, uh, uh, that is a lie. And he is going face to face to prove that he serves the one true living God with the prophets of Baal. And he says to them, hey, I have this way that we're going to prove this once and for all. You can spend as much time as you want and you are going to call down fire from heaven and light this altar. If your God is real, if Baal is real, that will be the case. Then it'll be my turn. He was confident in the power of God. He said, then it will be my turn. I'll call down fire from heaven and you just watch this altar be consumed. So you know the story that it, it's really disturbing that they all day and all night, they're cutting themselves. They're crying out to Baal, asking and pleading and making all of these bargains for Baal to light the altar on fire. And of course nothing happens, but then Elijah steps up and he wants to you know, make a show of it just a little bit and brag on his God just a little bit. He douses the altar with water, digs a trench, puts water in that. He wants to make sure that no one could say this is anything other than a miracle. And of course he prays and God shows up and the altar is fully consumed. And the very next verse, we see that Jezebel finds out what he has done, that he is defying the God that she wants her people to serve. And she sends a death threat to Elijah. This mighty, powerful man of God who just was used in one of the most miraculous demonstrations of uh, uh, the anointing and, and fulfillment of a word, he runs and is in hiding. See, that's what fear wants us to do is run and hide. And I've heard tons of people preach on this very story and they almost mock Elijah like, it's just a woman coming after you. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This was the queen. She had armies. She had skilled fighters. She had people that in one word that she would say, they would go and hunt him down. He had every reason to be afraid. It was real fear. See, some will tell you, oh, just choose faith over fear. No, no, no. There are very real things in life that cause us to be afraid. Hello, it's 2020. There are very real things. And, and it's not about turning a blind eye and, and, and being faith-filled and ignoring reality. No, his reality, was very worrisome. His reality was troublesome. And what does he do? He cries out to God and God comforts him, but God corrects him first. And let me tell you how. See, God corrects him because he says to him, "Well, Elijah says to him, as God is comforting him, he says, God, I am the only one left in Israel. I'm the only one left that's serving you. I'm the only one left that's hurting on your behalf. I'm the only one that's carrying this weight. And God says, "Uh, no, you're not. (laughs) He actually tells him, he's like, there are thousands just like you. You know what Elijah was being in that very moment that fear was creeping into his life and overriding everything that God had done is he was being completely unreasonable. He was being extreme. So what I wanna tell you today is that what we have to be careful of is that we do not become unreasonable. Listen, even the Bible tells us. Philippians 4, 5 says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. See our emotions, I like to, I I heard this analogy before that our emotions are like a sail to a ship. And that when you open that sail, the wind comes and its strength and its power pushes and propels the boat forward. But your will is like the rudder. So if you are allowing your life to be unreasonable and dominated by your emotions, whatever way the wind blows, that's where your life will be headed and you will be out of control. See, fear wants to cause us to be unreasonable, irrational and be domin- irrational. Yeah, and be dominated by our emotions but the spirit of power is telling us that we don't have to give in to whatever way the wind blows, whatever emotion we feel in the moment, we can have the will of God in our life and we can use the spirit of power, are you following me, to be the rudder that steers us in the direction towards the will and ways of God, towards his truth, not our truth. What is that anyway? Our truth should be God's truth, amen? So our lives will be out of control and fear will dominate unless we allow our will to steer our lives and we keep our emotions subject to our will, that's the spirit of power. Because in that moment, God was saying to Elijah, whoa, 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 there are a lot of people hurting. He was saying, you're not the only one facing this situation. You're not the only one going through this trial. You're not isolated. You don't have to withdraw. You can be close to people. You can let your guard down. Fear wants us to withdraw, put walls up, and keep people out, and certainly keep God out. But we are going to operate in the spirit of power. Can someone say amen? The spirit of power gives us the ability to be reasonable. Reasonable. See, fear is vision without hope. It's still insight into your future. It's just one without hope. And whatever direction you are looking towards, whatever you are looking towards, that is the direction that your life is headed. And the enemy wants you so focused on the negative, so focused on the hopeless, so focused on the pending danger that your life starts going off course. Because why would we wanna go towards a future when we don't see anything good at all? Another thing fear does is it causes us to be false prophets. We're declaring things into our future that God has not even destined for us. Oh, I just know I'm gonna get sick. I just know that I'm probably gonna lose my job. This marriage probably isn't going to last. Prophesying things into your future, that is what fear will do if we don't allow the spirit of power to help us control our emotions. Can I get an amen? Because what fear will do is it will cause us to spend all of our emotional energy on something that we think is inevitable. And it's probably not even going to happen. Because then, You've spent all of your emotional energy on something completely pointless that you have nothing left to give to the people around you. And the Bible tells us that we, when it says that he has given us dunamis power, when he says, I've given you power, it was for a specific purpose. It's not like Harry Potter power. It was to be witnesses for me. So no wonder fear is trying to take away all of our energy and all of our strength. Because if we focus so much on our life and our issues and our drama and our situation, then we have no emotional energy left to focus on other people and to be witnesses for Jesus. Number two, he has given us the spirit of love. 1 John 4:18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Did you hear that last part? Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So the Bible's telling us that there is a standard for knowing if you're allowing fear to dominate your life or if you're operating out of the spirit of love. If you continue to fear, it shows you are not allowing yourself to be perfected by God's love. Fear and anxiety and worrying have to be dealt with. They have to be dealt with. Listen to the language in that scripture. It says, perfect love casts out fear. That's an action word. Are you following me? It's the same language that's used when the Bible talks about how we deal with Satan, how we deal with demonic spirits, how we deal with anything that's opposing the will and the truth of God is that you have to cast it down, cast it out. That requires action on our part. And how do you do that? You do that by allowing the Holy Spirit into your life. And what he does is he does all the work for us. Did you know that? It's not fear go away, fear go away, fear go away. No, no, no allowing the Holy Spirit to come into your life and do a work in you, which all, he's a gentleman. All he's doing is waiting for an invitation. If you allow him to come in and do a work in you, his presence is what pushes out fear. His presence in your life is what commands it to go. His presence is what, Make space for God's love. Yes. See, here's the thing. When you come into the presence of God, just like today, when you're here in worship, when you're at home and you're worshiping, when you turn on worship music at your house and you're just cleaning and you just feel the presence of God, when you are in the presence of God, that's the Holy Spirit operating. But then why don't things permanently change? Have you ever asked yourself that? Why does the same thing come back to bother me? This same thing come back to trip me up again? I'll tell you why. Because when the Holy Spirit's doing a work and he's casting out those things from your life, you have to replace it with something. Even the Bible tells us that when you cast out a demon and you don't do something about it and replace it with the spirit of God, it comes back even worse. Those are biblical principles, biblical truths. So what you have to do is you have to replace that fear that gets cast out with the truth of God's love, the truth of God's word. Reading your Bible is not a spiritual mandate so that you can check it off of a list. Reading your Bible is edifying yourself. Reading your Bible is filling that space where those lies and that fear and that worry and that anxiety has tried to reside for way too long. You get a revelation. It's what this verse is telling us is that perfect love, but if you don't know perfect love and you don't allow it into your life, then fear will dominate and you will not operate out of the spirit of love in your life. We have to cast it out because I love this. You either live from one of two places, either the fear of the future or faith in God's love. One of two, either fear of the future or faith in God's love. See, when you get into the word, you read exactly what it is God intends to do in your life. All the beautiful ways he sees you, all the promises he has written just for you. You know, in youth group, they used to have a phrase like when I was younger, maybe it was, you know, kids church, but they would say garbage in means garbage out. Have you ever heard that? There are different ways to say it, but really I remember it kind of being a way for them to just say like, don't listen to secular music and watch rated R movies, but the concept is still really solid. That whatever you put in your life is ultimately gonna come out. And guys, we have in our purses or in our back pocket, (laughs) literal, it's like a little fear I was going to call it a fear pod. That's really dumb. It was a take on iPod, but it didn't work. I clearly didn't write that down. Fear pod. Perfect. Dr. Link said it's perfect. I feel validated. So, but I mean, if all you're doing is consuming all of this information, reading the numbers, reading the cases, listening to the news, watching politics. Oh my gosh. If all you're doing is consuming social media, looking at other people's lives and and obsessing, and if all you're doing is reading blogs that other people have written about their opinions about the Bible and what it says, no, no, no. That's like empty calories. That's not gonna get you anywhere. It's only going to detract from your life, actually. It's not gonna build the muscle of faith. It's not gonna replace where the enemy, or where the Holy Spirit created space in you. The only thing that you can do is read the Word of God. Read scripture, get it in you. Allow the Holy Spirit to do a deep work in you, and you watch fear move away. You watch fear leave your life. People are so dominated, it breaks my heart. We don't have to be dominated by fear and anxiety. We can let the spirit of love rule and reign in our lives just like God has intended. It's not a spiritual duty, it's what strengthens your faith. Number three, a sound mind. This is about your thought life. So we've already talked about our emotions. We talked about our will. Now let's talk about our thought life. What are you dwelling on? See, fear wants to keep you in a constant state of worry stress, and anxiety, and only seeing reasons for failure and reasons for disappointment in your future. But Philippians 4, 4 through 8, we already read some of this earlier. I'm going to read the whole thing this time. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. See, when the Bible repeats itself, it really wants you to get it. So rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. Actually, I feel like we should all say that together at home too. Do not be anxious. Amen if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. What are you allowing yourself to think about and to dwell on? You know, I used to think of life in terms of like there are good seasons and then there are bad seasons. But what I've come to realize is that Really, life is more like a train track. And on one side is the good, and on one side is the bad in every season. And see, the optimist chooses to see the good, and the pessimist chooses to see the bad. But the Christian chooses to see the provision and hand of God along with simultaneously understanding parallel is the bad. It's not being naive like I said, It's understanding trouble will be with you always. It's understanding we live in a fallen world. It's understanding humans make mistakes. It's understanding we make mistakes, but it's choosing as a Christian to say, hey, parallel with the bad is the good. And I'm gonna choose to rejoice and look for the hand of God moving in my life because I know It is. That's what rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice means. It doesn't mean rejoice in the good seasons. And if you're a really good Christian, you figure out a way to rejoice in the bad too. No, no, no. It's understanding simultaneously, parallel to one another. Every season of your life, there's opportunity for bad and good. But we as Christians, We as believers, we know that God is gonna work all things out for our good so we don't have to skip over and look at this. We can choose to stay in faith. We can choose to let our mind be focused on what God is doing, the good he's doing, the things he's going to work out. So what are you thinking about? Which, which perspective do you have? I challenge you today to have a sound mind. You have to choose to see the goodness of God in every situation, not turn, to, turn a blind eye, not hope it just goes away and God takes care of it. No, no, no. Face it as it is and choose to find the hope and meaning and purpose that God has in it, amen? Amen. So coupled with rejoicing and thanksgiving in this verse, in verse six, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That is talking about prayer. The only thing that will help your thought life is your prayer life. And I think we get it wrong. I think we think God needs us to pray or he's waiting for us to pray and that prayer is actually for God. <laughs> but I have news for you. it's Prayer has nothing to do with God. We're not informing him of anything that he doesn't already know. Prayer actually is for us because prayer is an opportunity for us to surrender our will and let his will be done. Because we look at prayer, we we want immediate um, resolution in prayer. But you know what God wants? God wants relationship with us. So when we go to him in prayer, we think there should be an immediate resolution of the way that we would like it to be worked out. But really, God's just looking for us to have relationship with him. Yeah. And in return, as a loving father, he, he, he just lavishes his love on us. And then we understand him more, and then he does more, not because he's working more because we asked him. No, it's that our revelation in our thinking changes. Are you following me? And I've also learned that there is a very big difference in complaining and praying. Have you ever had one of those sessions where you felt like you were praying, but really you're just telling God all the things that he's just not working out in your life? The way that you can tell the difference in if you are praying or just complaining is if when you leave that time of prayer, if you still pick up that same heavy burden, if you still pick up that same heavy yoke is what the Bible calls it, then all you've done is complained. All you've done is maybe it felt therapeutic, poured out your heart. But true prayer releases those things and says, I'm not God, you are. So I'm gonna let you be God so I can be me. Because if we keep trying to be God in our life, eventually it'll crush us. And that is what fear wants to do. That's what anxiety wants to do, is keep you in a place where your mind is running a thousand miles an hour, and you're trying to figure out how to do things on your own. But if you go to Him in prayer, that's why you can easily hand Him over your burdens and take His light burden on you. That's what he says. He says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's an exchange that happens in a time of prayer. You know, I've heard people ask and wonder, is fear or anxiety a sin? And I immediately think of the story of Jesus in the Bible, in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus on the last night before he is taken to the cross, we find him in such a state of fear and worry and anxiety that you know the story that the Bible tells us that he was sweating drops of blood, that medical doctors have said that that's the most strenuous thing that your body could ever go through in terms of how you would interpret stress or fear or anxiety. They liken it to hostage victims that have experienced that. Jesus was afraid, but did Jesus ever sin? No, Jesus had anxiety. But did Jesus ever sin? No. But what Jesus did with his fear and his anxiety is what we need to make sure we do with ours, is that he goes to God and you know what he says? He, he actually, in prayer, he makes his supplication. He tells God what he wants, because you know what he says? He says, if it's possible, God, If there's any other way, please take this cup from me. Please, could there be another solution? And in that beautiful moment of honesty and vulnerability to his father, it was that exchange. Nothing in his circumstance changed. It was a peace that came over him and it was a moment he he just surrendered and he said, okay, It's not my will, it's your will. And in that moment, that is what happens in prayer. It's that exchange. We surrender our will for His will. And then that supernatural peace can come into your life. The Bible tells us peace that passes all understanding, peace that doesn't make sense in in the world we live in. Peace that doesn't make sense given your situation or your diagnosis or your surroundings. It didn't make sense for Jesus to have peace. He was fully God, yes, but he was fully man. Anxiety and fear are not a sin, but we are responsible to make sure that we do exactly what the Bible tells us, is that we cast out fear. We allow the spirit of power. We allow the spirit of love and we choose to walk and have a sound mind. If you agree with that, if you receive that, can you say amen, church family? God is so good. I pray this encouraged you today. I pray that you take this with you, that you study it out, that you get more revelation on this and that no matter what comes your way, that you can choose to rejoice. I wanna make sure that today I talked about perfect love, casting out fear, and there is only one perfect love and that's the love of our heavenly Father. And I just wanna make sure today before we leave with those watching online, those in the room, if you could close your eyes and if that's you today and you're in need, of a perfect love, of a perfect savior, to come in and change your life, to drive out fear, to allow your life to be propelled towards the destiny He has called you to. I just quickly, If you need Jesus, would you just lift your hand all over the building? If you're watching online, I see those hands. If you're watching online, would you acknowledge that decision today? Just by virtually raising your hand, you can type in the chat, say, I need Jesus. You can, uh, it says, raise your hand. You can click that button so that we can pray for you. Those in the room, would you just repeat after me with those who have lifted their hand and online, would you repeat this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of a savior and Jesus, I know that you chose to extend forgiveness for my failure because of the cross and through the cross. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Today I choose to surrender my will for your will. I choose to let your perfect love cast out all fear. And I will have the spirit of power. I will have the spirit of love and a sound mind. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. This concludes the teaching.